Welcome to Bits About Books, the home for conversations with authors of breakthrough books on sales, marketing and business. Founders, entrepreneurs and individual professionals, we all need to keep track of ideas that are helping create our today and tomorrow. Bits About Books will strive to find those books and speak to their authors, go behind the scenes and understand what inspired the authors to write the books that they did and how they went about doing so. Through our conversations, we hope to gain insights that will help us to get the most out of our efforts. I'm your host Shubhanjan Sarkar, founder of Pitchlink, the next generation buyer-seller engagement platform where our mission is to make buying easy. Welcome to Bits About Books. Thank you for your time and for joining us in this session. I have a favor to ask. While you continue to listen to the podcast, please leave a comment or rating at iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. I personally look at each comment and will give you a shout out to each of you in our following episodes. It means a lot to hear from you. Our guest today is Mark W. Schaefer and we speak with him about his bestseller, Belonging to the Brand, Why Community is the Last Great Marketing Strategy. So the number one distinction for a community is that the, there's communion. People know each other. It's like a neighborhood. That's the big difference. And that's really where the magic happens. The second big difference is that a community is built on a shared purpose. And, and, and this is where a lot of companies fail because the, the, the company says, well, our purpose is to sell more stuff. Well, that's great. But, and every company has to do that. But that is not a reason for people to gather. A reason for people to gather is when they want, they have a purpose that intersects your purpose. Mark Schaeffer is a globally recognized author, keynote speaker, futurist, and business consultant who blogs at Grow, one of the top five marketing blogs in the world. He teaches graduate marketing classes at Rutgers University and has written 10 best-selling books. Mark's new book, Belonging to the Brand, Why Community is the Last Great Marketing Strategy, describes an essential new path to connect to customers in the modern digital world. His many global clients include Pfizer, Cisco, Dell, Adidas and the US Air Force. He has been a keynote speaker at prestigious events all over the world, including SXSW, Marketing Summit Tokyo, and the Institute for International and European Affairs. Mark has appeared as a guest on media channels such as CNN, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, and CBS News. Now, on to this truly insightful session with Mark W. Schaefer. Mark, welcome to Bits About Books. I'm delighted uh, to have you here. This conversation has been in the making for a while. And uh, I'm so excited to talk to you about your new book. I, I promise you it will be worth the wait. I'm certain about that. Uh, before uh, we go into the book, uh, as we discussed, I really want to know about the making of the book, how you went about doing this. I know there is a chapter in your previous book uh, about community. There's a lot of talk about community. So it's very timely in many ways. Uh, at the same time, I think, lot of what we see in community uh, is is not what you possibly are talking about yes that's, so, that's so true that's, that's that's a very interesting interesting situation uh, people believe that building a community is the way to go but i think lot of it is 
going about the wrong way but i'll let you elaborate on that let's let's talk about this i mean you wrote the chapter when you wrote the chapter what is it that you saw that you included in your uh, book and what made you think that it's time to write a full book on this so my one of my most popular books is a book called marketing rebellion the most human company wins and this book was sort of a wake up call it was a call to action that showed that the many typical ways we do marketing aren't effective anymore that the world has changed when most of our customers have the accumulated knowledge of the human race in the palm of their hand and they expect something more from marketing they expect something more from their favorite brands and yet most businesses are asleep they're just in a trench with their head down doing things the way they've done things for the last 10 years. So this book was a, a wake up call to say look at the data, look at the research, look at what's happening. This must change. And then I gave some ideas about how to do that. One of the ideas was community. And I saw that we were in this period that had been really creeping up for the last couple decades where we were having more and more cases of depression, loneliness, isolation and that I saw that there was a role for businesses and brand communities to address that and I included a few examples. Well, a year after the book came out, we had the pandemic. Now everybody's isolated, everybody's locked in, everybody's afraid and they turned to community at record rates for really their only source of socialization and connection. And people were saying, Mark, all these things that you predicted in the book are coming true. When I finished writing that first book, I realized that's probably the most important chapter in the book. It it probably deserves its own book. And then with this uh sort of uh encouragement from my friends, I said I think maybe this is the 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 next book. And for me to make a decision like that, Shubhjan, and is that uh it it's it has to set for a while. I have to be absolutely clear and absolutely convicted that this is the right thing to do. This is the right thing to say because I'm putting my brand on the line. I'm risking everything. It's not like a blog post that you can take down because you made a mistake. So this was a very very big decision. I had to be sure that I was right. And as you mentioned, since I wrote the book, there's been a lot of momentum about community, which I think helps point to the fact that I was right. Just to connect, there was this underlying sort of a uh, ground that was prepared during COVID because people were so uh so much separated from each other yeah. so online communities started building and and that sort of provided comfort yet uh, for brands i think in the b2c space you have seen uh communities being built by brands like disney like like png and so on and so forth it could be uh, communities of mothers or communities of their their own we didn't see that manifestation in b2b per se uh, the question is when you decided that I, i'm going to now make it a 
full book, what did you do? I mean, you are looking at these things happening, you are noting it, you are analyzing it, but then you have to structure a whole, uh, whole, whole content. Uh, what was your process? Oh, well, that's a great question. So first of all, what, what really propelled me to decide this is the right idea was I saw three trends coming together. One, of course, was this, um, the idea that I proposed in the Marketing Rebellion book that most traditional methods of marketing just aren't working anymore. We needed something new. Number two is I don't know where it is where you live, but this idea of this mental health crisis, we see it in the news every day, especially with young people, not just young people, but especially with young people. Then the third megatrend was the money that was being poured into Silicon Valley to create new ways to connect. So we saw the rise of Discord, which has become a very popular uh, home base for community. We saw people gathering in new ways on the metaverse. We're even seeing people using NFTs as a way to connect. And so those three trends were, were coming together. Um, I was sure this is the right thing to do. And so how I actually went about this, and this is the process of how I write the book, I, would, I came up with the outline of what I thought the 10 or maybe 12 chapters of the book would be. I create an Evernote file for each of those chapters. Then for about a period of nine to 12 months, I let the book come to me. I look at the world and say, what's the world saying? Where is the research? Um, what data can I use? Oh, here's a great quote that would go in chapter three. Put it in the file for chapter three. This is amazing research. This is exactly what I was looking for for chapter seven. Whoosh, whoosh. So every day, every day, every day, you're aware of ideas in the world and quotes in the world that help bring the book together. And then I find a time where I can basically write the book in one sitting. It might be a period of weeks. The number one reason why people don't finish writing books is because they stop and start. And that's very disheartening because every time you stop, you have to reorient yourself and say, oh, where was I? Oh, wait, I already told that story here. And it could be very frustrating. So I'm a big fan of just looking at some slow period in your life where you can lock yourself into, into a room and just do it. And the beauty of this process is when it's time to do it, you open up these Evernote files and it's weaving the stories together. You have everything you need to, to write the book. It's not like this desperation of facing a blank page and starting from scratch. You have everything you need and it's, it's exciting. You can't wait to do it because you know you've done a good job. And I might write blog posts that I know will go into the book. So I'm sort of writing ahead of time on subjects that I know will fit into the book. So to me, when it's finally time to write, it's a period of great excitement um, because I know it's going to be great. I know it's all there for me. And now it's just a matter of weaving it together in an entertaining and um, 
and and beautiful way. That's a that's 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 a great insight. Uh, while you were doing this Evernote, the, the basically you are putting stuff together. You are looking at things. What kind of trends did you actually see? Because you you saw about the community being a factor. Yes. Now now you're in the process of writing the book. You have got a structure in your mind. Where did you see most of this data coming from? Well, really, really from a variety of places. And um, I did a lot of research, academic research, that involves psychology and sociology to really understand how, you know, why does, how does a brand community to work? And the main thesis of the book is that community isn't new. And 70, but, but 70% of the brand communities out there today are only focused on customer service. I'm sure you've seen something like this. You're having problems with software and you get a response that said, oh, go to our community. They'll have the answer to your problem. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, <clears throat> but it, it overlooks the opportunity to create an emotional connection. Now, why is that important? Because that's what brand marketing is all about. When I say Disney, if I said to you, what if Disney built a hotel in your town? Could you imagine what it would be like walking through the front door? What if Nike built a hotel in your town or Coca-Cola? That's, that's the emotion. You have an emotional expectation. That's the ultimate goal of brand marketing. But we're not using communities to reinforce this emotional expectation. And it's a huge opportunity that's been almost completely missed by the world. And here's what happens when you get into the psychology and sociology of community. So people might come because they love a certain company or they love a certain fashion brand or a cosmetic brand. So they go and they said, yeah, I like them. I trust them. I'll be I'll come in part of this community. Once you're in the community, you get to know other people. That's it. You don't do that in, a, in an audience of blog readers. You don't do that with a social media audience. It can only happen in a community where not only are people interacting with you, they're interacting with each other. They're sharing ideas. They're sharing use cases. They're collaborating. They're co-creating. Maybe they're working on projects together. Maybe they're going to some entertainment thing together and they become friends. And here's where it gets interesting. That goodwill of that friendship and relationship spills over to the brand. The research, research suggests it's, it's, it's more important to encourage the friendships than it is to even encourage a connection to the brand. Because once they have those friendships, they're never going to leave you because that would mean leaving their, your, their friends. You literally belong to the brand. It is the most powerful brand connection you can have. It's the only kind of marketing people really want. And if you have a community of people visiting you each day or each week, you're never going to have to advertise to them again. You don't have to worry about your ad budget. You don't have to worry about branded content. You don't have to worry about SEO because they belong. 
It's the ultimate marketing without marketing. And it's, 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 a, it's a brilliant opportunity and the right time in our world to pursue this and almost no companies doing it. This is great because it's, it's, it's triggering so many thoughts as you would imagine. Uh, and, and very, very my, job is, my job is done here. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, this is a great time to just jump into the book. Your first chapter is about uh, the lonely generation, which you touched upon uh, briefly here. Uh, when you, but, but let if I focus on the section, you are talking about this is the last great marketing strategy. I, again, you touched upon it a bit, but I would I would request that you you elaborate uh, on it. Why is it not the latest fad, but the last great marketing uh, strategy? Well, there's a couple threads I pulled together in the book, and the first one is looking at how my grandparents or your grandparents would go to market. They would walk down the street and they would go to the meat market. They would go to the vegetable market. They would go to buy their clothes from this friend of theirs that uh, has this place down the street. Th that was the only marketing that there was, that you belong to this group. They knew mm -hmm. you. They knew what you liked. They would do something extra because you belonged in this community. And I, you know, I've never experienced that. You know, I've never experienced that. And I miss that. So, so that's one of, of, of the threads. This is the last great market strategy because it was the first strategy and it never went away. We have that longing to belong. Now, the other thing that's happening is that technology is significantly disintermediating traditional marketing. So mm -hmm. let's say 10 or 12 years ago, you might be able to have some pretty good success by starting a blog, getting inbound leads to your site, and then you convert them and you work on your SEO. Now the world is so crowded, achieving success for SEO for most businesses is almost impossible. We're moving toward an SEO world. What about advertising? We're moving to a streaming media world. I watch more TV than I've ever watched in my life, except if it's a, a live sporting event, I don't see ads. I never see ads. I listen to music every day. It's on Spotify. I never hear an ad. I love to listen to audiobooks. I never hear an ad. My favorite podcasts are ad-free. So I'm consuming media constantly, no ads, right? So we're moving inexorably toward an ad-free world, toward a post-SEO world, perhaps a post-content world. And there's always going to be a place for content. There's always going to be a place for SEO. There's always going to be a place for advertising. I'm not saying it's going away forever, but we need something new. And why wouldn't we create this strategy that will never go away? It will never go away because community is not something that we want. Community is something that we need. This is something that came out through the research. A big part of our identity 
and personality comes from our connection and relationships with others. Health study shows the number one predictor of long-term health and, and thriving in your life is relationships that you have with your family, with friends, through community. So that's why it's, it's something that's been there. It's something that's lasting. And it's, it's the only kind of marketing I can think of that people will actually embrace and seek it every day. Which is great. I think I think this is the point where I would like to sort of jump into section two, because I think we need to get into the nitty gritties of what you're proposing. Uh, so let's get to get to section two, where you are talking about the art and science of community. I mean, uh, one of the things that we discussed briefly is that you do see a lot of communities, especially in the sales space, you see communities. Uh, uh, people are trying to do around procurement. Uh, but they are not exactly what you are talking about. So let's let's break down what you think is the is the ideal community, and then we'll go into who is possibly closest to that definition. Sure. Well, the the biggest point of confusion for most people is they have an audience and they think it's a community. A lot of people will say, "Oh, my blog community," or my LinkedIn community. That's not a community, that's an audience. And an audience is fine, but it's, it's one way. So I write a blog, I've written a blog, you know, every week uh, for 15 years. I, I love to do that. I love the people that read my blog. They're, they're, they're very supportive and they love it. But they don't know each other. It's one way. If I go away, the audience goes away. So the number one distinction for a community is that the, there's communion. People know each other. It's like a neighborhood. That's the big difference. And that's really where the magic happens. The second big difference is that a community is built on a shared purpose. And, and, and this is where a lot of companies fail because they're, the, the, the company says, well, our purpose is to sell more stuff. Well, that's great, but, and every company has to do that, but that is not a reason for people to gather. A reason for people to gather is when they want, they have a purpose that intersects your purpose. As a company or as a nonprofit or as a university, you want to have an impact on the world that can be bigger, greater, bolder if your customers come along and help you. And your customers are excited about that because they want to grow. They want to learn. They want to change the world in a similar way. And an example that most people can connect with is Patagonia. So Patagonia is a brand that's very much associated with environmental stewardship, responsible outdoor recreation. So whatever they stand on for the environment, if that's important to you, you buy into that. You share that purpose. You want them to succeed. And, and that Patagonia wants their customers to succeed. And I have a friend, he will only buy Patagonia clothes. They're not the cheapest clothes. They may not be the best looking clothes, but he will only buy those clothes because he is so uh, connected to that community. 
He literally belongs to the brand. Then finally, the third distinction is that instead of the company leading the community, the community leads the company. And that's hard to kind of give up that control. But let me give you a very small example from my life. I started a community dedicated to the future of marketing. So I thought, well, if people are going to be in my community, obviously they're going to be interested in the things I'm interested in. So I started a chat room about writing, about public speaking, about personal branding. And my friend, those are the emptiest rooms in my community. Because the community said, look, we need to learn about Web3. We need to learn about the metaverse. We need to learn about AI. So they took my community in a better, in a new direction, a better direction. I'm a better person for it. I'm a better professional because of the ideas. And, and I'm letting them take me to new places. Now think about scaling that for a brand. Uh, the job of a brand is to be relentlessly relevant. How is our product or service relevant now, now, now in this fast changing world? What if you, like me, have a community showing you what to do? It's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly valuable. So those are the three building blocks. Those are the three things that are different that you have to keep in mind when you're, you're, you're trying to create a community instead of an audience. This is great. At the same time, I think it is very hard for a brand to say, uh, we will let the community do what they want and, and, and give up the control. I don't think it's, it's not we let them do what they want. It's, they, it ha they have to be able to do what they want within certain boundaries and a certain culture. And I'll, 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 I'll give you an example. So this was very, this happened to me yesterday. Hmm. It, was, it was really quite upsetting. So I learned about a community that had been created by a big candy company. So a candy company might appeal to children and young people. Hmm. And they created this community on Discord, which is where a lot of the young people are going today. So I thought, well, this will be interesting. I want to see what's happening there. So I go into the community and there's really not much happening. There was not much content. There's not much discussion. And so I wrote a comment that said, I'm, I'm disappointed. There doesn't seem to be much going on in this community. And I was brutally attacked. Somebody posted, I'm going to rip your skin off. <laughs> Another person uh, posted something like, you should live stream your suicide. Now, this is in a community by a big brand that sells candy to children. That community is out of control. Mm. You do not give up the culture of that. that so it's, it's, you don't let people do whatever they want or say whatever they want. And I wrote an, a, a letter to the company and sent an email saying, what is going on here? This community, it, you've got to pay attention to it. And maybe this is something that's being run by an ad agency. Maybe they don't even know. I haven't heard from the, the candy company yet, but 
it's it's out of control. People are using terrible language. They're threatening people, you know, in a place that should be about joy and fun and, and community. So you don't let people do whatever they want. You don't let people say whatever they want to say. It has to, you, your responsibility isn't to lead necessarily product development or lead conversations. It's to create a safe place within yeah. certain boundaries that make people want to be there. It's time for a short break. Stay with us. After the break. Last year, 2022, there was a study done by Edison Research that showed 26% of young adults aged 14 to 32 were on Discord. And you might think, wow, that is a lot. 26%. Here's the part that's going to amaze you. One year later, the research shows that number had grown from 26% to 42% in one year. It's unprecedented. There's never been a social media channel that's grown at that rate. In a way, it's, it's validating my idea about community. You are listening to a Business Podcast Network original. Podcasting is the fastest growing content marketing opportunity, which is untapped. We can help you craft your audio strategy and help leverage the wide reach and easy streaming capability that the smartphone penetration provides. It is easy, it is powerful and personal. Talk to us to find out how podcasting can help you build your brand and reach out to your targets like never before. Write to us at bpn at bizcast.in that is bpn at b-i-z-c-a-s-t dot i-n Business Podcast Network Podcasts End to End Welcome back. I'm Shubhanjan Sarkar, your host for Bits About Books and founder of Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform. Let's dive right back into the episode where we left it. When you talk of the new, which is your last section, you, you talk, talk about the next community. How does that sort of blend into this this framework that you just spoke about? Well, so the the last part of the book talks a little bit about the future. And here's a, a statistic that I think um, will just absolutely stun you. It stunned me anyway. So we talked a little bit about Discord. And if you're your audience hasn't heard of, of Discord. It's a community-based application that was first built for gamers. So when people are playing their game and they want to communicate with the people they're playing with in a back channel, they'll go to Discord. But since then, it's sort of become the home room for many young people. Now, last year, 2022, there was a study done by Edison Research that showed 26% of young adults aged 14 to 32 were on Discord. And you might think, wow, that is a lot, 26%. Here's the part that's going to amaze you. One year later, the research shows that number had grown from 26% to 42% in one 
year. It's unprecedented. There's never been a social media channel that's grown at that rate. Uh, and so millions and millions of people are going on to that. So it, it, sure, it sort of shows, in a way, it's, it's validating my idea about community, that this is people are seeking it, they're longing to belong, and they're joining these communities. That's what Discord is all about. Now, here's the challenge. Many of these Discord communities are behind uh, a firewall. So you might be having the best discussions going on about cars or cosmetics or about hair care. These are discussions and ideas brands would love to be part of and they can't be part of it. It's, 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 it's secret. And if you're depending on social listening platforms so that you know, you're picking up ideas from Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and you're doing sentiment analysis, guess what? Week by week by week, as a whole generation goes on to Discord, you're becoming obsolete <laughs> because you're not picking up on those on those ideas. Now there is there are people and there is technology that is being worked on, maybe to help some of those things. But it's going to be a big challenge for it's a big opportunity and it's a big challenge. You're absolutely spot on because when I talk, I have a different podcast where I talk to buyers and uh, and, and 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 that community, the procurement community, etc. And a big role is played by what they call dark social, which is not visible to anybody. Yeah, right. And and people, are, although these are like more like micro communities, these are not driven by uh, yes. driven by companies or brands, but these are driven by interest groups. Yeah. Exactly. So, so it's 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 a dark social of CIOs talking to each other. Yes. And 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 the, and and the neither the brands nor the sales have any any visibility or any ability to penetrate those because right. they'll not be allowed into those groups. Right. That's exactly right. And you know that that is is increasing. That dark social uh, conversation is is increasing. And so our ability to tap into publicly available conversations is is in decline. Yeah, and and I think that's also the challenge of brands that how can they create a space where multiple interest groups can actually participate, yet the brand has some visibility. I mean, the, obviously the brand wins if they can have bring these conversations out onto their own platform because they have the ability to listen and participate and and aid the process essentially. How can you help those who are having this conversation as a brand? Yeah, think about one of the more remarkable case studies in the book is the cosmetic company Sephora. Now, Sephora, mm-hmm. I, I, you mentioned you live in Bangalore. I'm sure there's a Sephora in Bangalore. Yes, there's it a is. Sephora, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, there's a, there's a Sephora store in almost every sizable city in in the world, and yet. of the company's revenues comes through their online community. They have 6 million members of their online community. When I was doing research about their community, I went into their community. They had 100,000 people live in discussion at one time. I estimate they're spending a billion dollars a year 
on that community. Now, this gets to your point. If Sephora hadn't created this safe, encouraging space, those conversations would be someplace else. They'd be in a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group or a Discord group where they would be blanked out. So Sephora has created the best possible uh, place to experiment with, with makeup and cosmetics and try new things and talk about the things that they love and things that are working. And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fantastic. And that's a company that's shown that you, it can be done at scale. Do you see any of any indication of anything like this happening in the B2B space? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and let me give you an example that really um, encouraged me. This was this uh, this was something that happened before I decided to write the book. I was still it was still going through my brain, but I hadn't committed to it. I was talking to uh, an engineer uh, during the pandemic. He lived in New York City. He was literally locked into his apartment. He was completely isolated, and he was telling me how he belonged to this software community. He said, well, normally, you know, we go in there and we help each other with software problems and you get to know these people all over the world. He said, but during the pandemic, we're in there to support each other for other ways now, for new ways there. You know, these are our friends and we're checking in on each other. And he said, Mark, honestly, I don't know if I could make it through this pandemic without that community. Now, that's a B2B software community. Uh, and I thought, wow, I mean, what, what a powerful statement of how this brand community is not just connecting people to the company. It's literally helping people heal. It's helping people make it through their toughest times. And to me, it, it, it kind of empowered me and emboldened me to say, you know, this we, we've got to do this. You, you mentioned offhand that there was this headline in the New York Times that said the loneliest generation. And they're talking about our children. They're talking about Gen Z. I mean, can you imagine a more heartbreaking thing? And that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book is because I don't want that generation to be the loneliest generation. And I'm not saying, hey, start a community, save the world. This is a business book. But what I am saying is that if you do it right, your community will have healing properties and we need that in the world today. I mean, essentially what you're talking of is a lot of what has happened post-industrialization and the uh, digital communication and so on, we we lost the humanness in, in the communication, right? So it became very, very mechanical, very, uh, very lonely very uh, disconnected, although we are in the most connected times, right? Uh, yeah, I, I totally see what you're saying. And and I, I think that the power of community done right is immense. But I think very few get it today. Yeah, yeah in fact, about... 70% of the communities that are started fail. And the, and the main reason is because 
uh, some sales director someplace is saying, oh, great, we have this community. This is going to give us a new way to sell stuff to people. And, and people don't want that. If, if they come into a community, they want to be acknowledged. They want to be heard. They want to achieve status in the group. They don't want to be sold to. If that's what they suspect, it's going to collapse right away. Yeah. And, and that it's a very important point you make because nobody wants to be sold to. Right. We assume that our outreach, our cold campaigns, our incessant calling, that's what's making people buy. But nothing can be further from the truth. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. One of the um, one of the um, ideas in the Marketing Rebellion book is based on some research that was done by McKinsey over 10 years. They studied more than 200,000 customer journeys and they concluded that two, two thirds of our sales and marketing is occurring without us. It's what people, what, what people are telling each other. We rely on our friends. We rely on our family. We rely on our neighbors. We rely on what we see on social media. We rely on testimonies, reviews, we may even rely on our favorite influencers. But, you know, typically, if, if we see an ad, we're not going to believe it. And it's certainly not going to make us, you know, be unusual to make us, you know, buy something today. Those days are going away. So it suggests the, the, the great marketing strategy today is how do we earn our way into that two-thirds? How do we earn our way into those conversations? And again... One of the ways to do that is community, because if there are things going on in the community that excite the members, they're going to tell everybody. Absolutely. I do no promotion for my community, but it grows organically because then the people in the community are saying, hey, I've got a friend. Can I bring them in? Oh, I heard this from someone in your community. Can I join? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, I mean, I mean, although I'm tempted to uh, <laughs> mention this, but I'll not get into a discussion. I personally, that's why I personally believe that a communities should be free mm-hmm. to join and to stay. Yes. And B, all content should be free to access. I mean, putting it behind paywalls, putting it behind, especially if you're a brand. I mean, if you're doing it as a author, I can make out. Okay, that's your way of, uh, I mean, that's your uh, yeah. way of earning a living. That's fine. But yeah. if you're a brand, which means your core business is somewhere else, you have no business putting things behind paywalls and bo- bo- be- making it difficult for people to uh, to access, especially, right. especially forcing people to give you a mail ID, which you know is not going to actually reach him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think building the trust, giving it, making, I think the key point that you mentioned is creating a safe space where people can come and talk and exchange. I think that's so critical because that's so rare. Yeah. And that's one of the, I mean, one of the things I talk about in the book is, is the different sort of marketing skills you need. Um, And I'm still learning every day, but there was a great quote in the book, uh, there's a fellow in the book that had a marketing agency in London. And, um, and so 
he created a community that's now become bigger than his agency. The community has become his business. So he's going from this traditional marketing mindset to this community mindset. And he said, running a community, there's, there's nothing about it that they really teach you at the university. It's a completely different way. You have to, you have to be willing to give up control. Your main, your main goal is to nurture a safe environment. Your job is to nurture the culture. Your job is to elevate people, lift people up, reward people. I mean, it's different than product marketing, traditional product marketing. And, and yet the, the time is right and the time is now and it works. Bits About Books is brought to you by Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform. Pitchlink makes buying easy by enabling high-quality engagement between buyers and sellers through its presentation and discussion modules. Sellers create customized sales narratives using sales collaterals and personal videos and reach out to prospects through a non-intrusive, buyer-qualified engagement. Pitchlink requires no installation or download and holds the entire repository of sales collaterals and buyer-seller conversations. Talk to us to know more about how you can engage with customers without intuition. Call us on 9902163132. Mark, thank you so much for for uh, coming on the show, for speaking with me. Uh, and uh, I really hope that I'll be able to get you back to talk about your previous book sometime oh, soon. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. Yes, thank you. Great job. And I'm honored to be here with you today. Thank you. Thank you. We have a fantastic lineup over the next couple of episodes with great conversations on breakthrough books. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you do not miss a single episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being with us today on Bits About Books, where we talk to authors about breakthrough books on sales, marketing and business. We hope this conversation helped inform and motivate as we all navigate a rapidly changing business environment. For us, these are enlightening conversations enriched with knowledge and expertise. We encourage you to go out and buy the book to learn firsthand and implement some of the great ideas we discussed today. We hope to have you with us again in the next exciting episode of Bits About Books. If you liked what you heard, Subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts from and give us a rating while you are at it. This Biscast original podcast is produced for Pitchlink, the next generation buyer-seller engagement platform where the mission is to make buying easy. Hosted by Subhanjan Sarkar and produced by Rajiv Aditya. See you next time and have a wonderful day.